Amen. If you start getting the feeling over the next weeks that we're saying the Lord's Prayer a lot, we are. We are. And we're trying to get it back in your minds and in your hearts if you're accustomed to the prayer. And even if it's something new to you, we're hoping that it's something that you begin to resonate with along the way. So you, we'll have you saying it, we'll have it in different ways, sung in all sorts of things as we talk about it over the next week. So to begin with, today I want to have a say the Lord's Prayer together. And somebody was asking the other week, in which Lord's Prayer is, for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, and forever and ever and amen. Where do you find that in scripture? Well, I found it. It is in the authorized King James 1611 version. For any of you who are wondering, um, I think it was a little addition to the text, but that's the, the translation we'll do today. So let's do this one and read it out loud together from Matthew. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is a prayer that when Jesus was asked by his disciples, teach us to pray. This is what he said. Teach us to pray. And here's what he told them. Now, if you're familiar with the prayer, it can be, become rote, something you just say without thinking about it or realizing that there's a lot of depth and meaning and understanding. And today we're going to look at that part in the prayer that says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And when we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done, we are praying that God's upside down kingdom comes. Because many things that God teaches us, that Jesus teaches us and models is upside down from what was expected. When Jesus came, there were certain expectations put on Jesus. And many times he disappointed people or challenged those expectations as he went in a different direction. I love watching movies with plot twists. That you think the movie is going a certain direction, and then all of a sudden you are surprised. Some of those even murder mysteries or other things like that. Not long ago, I was watching the series called Rings of Power, which were like an introduction for the Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. I still love the Lord of the Rings movies better. But, but in the Rings of Power, there's two characters, and one seems good at the beginning, and the other seems bad, and throughout the series, all of a sudden those roles change. And there's a bit of a surprise. There's a flipping of something that happens. Maybe you've seen the series, I don't know if it's still on, Undercover Boss, where a boss of a company comes in as like an entry-level employee or somebody else and sees what's happening on the ground in their company. And sometimes the boss is pleasantly surprised and other times people are getting fired as things play out. But there's this upside down nature to those shows and those movies. And when you think about what Jesus came to do and what Jesus was teaching, it's often opposite of what people expected. And beginning in this model of prayer, it begins with our Father, 
who art in heaven, holy is your name. That in itself was an upside down counterculture view of God. A father, a good loving father that I can have a relationship with, but also that I've come to worship. And worship at its core is sacrifice. Laying yourself before another and saying, I am not in charge, but I'm giving myself to another. In an independent, I decide everything for myself culture, to worship another and give up my life for another is countercultural. It's upside down. And then you move into, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. And as you pray that prayer, we're saying, not God build my kingdom. God, not me be the king or queen of my palace, but your kingdom come. Your will be done. And what happens when God's will, God's kingdom is different than the kingdom that we're trying to build for ourselves? Well, we come back and say, God, my father, the one I worship, the one that cares about me, the one I love and loves me, I'm trusting you that you have my best in mind, even when it doesn't seem that way. I have four children. And if any of you have children, you know that it's pretty normative for children to ask for things. And it doesn't stop, I hear, when they become adults. But you hear, Dad, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Dad, that's not fair. That person got that and I didn't get that and whatever else. And you have all these things happening. And as a loving father, I'm trying to discern what's best for my children. They might not see the bigger picture, they might just see what's right in front of them. But as a father, I hopefully can zoom out and say, actually, if I give you that, that's not the best for you. And same with our heavenly father. When we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, we're asking God who sees the bigger picture, a bigger perspective to bring his purposes forward in our life. We are also praying and saying, your kingdom, your glory, your power come. Now, depending where you are from, we have different views of royalty. After the U.S. kicked out England, I'm sorry to any of you English people here, um, we kind of got rid of the royalty thing. We said, we don't want to follow a king. We're going to make a much more egalitarian society. We're going to remove that hierarchical king and kingdom thing. But for some of you, you might come from countries where there's still a king or a queen. Or there's tribes that have kings or queens or royalty in them. But here in the U.S., we don't talk about that a lot. We talk about nation, but we don't talk about kings or kingdoms. But Jesus is coming and saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And he had a certain kingdom in mind. Scripture tells us there's two main things that when this is talked about, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And they basically mean, mean the same thing. And so when Jesus is praying, the kingdom of God come on earth, what is he praying? And what are the specific evidences that God's kingdom is coming? Well, first we have to define what this kingdom is. And a simple definition of the kingdom of God is wherever God is ruling and reigning. 
Wherever God's rule and reign is, that's where the kingdom of God is. So you think about heaven. Who is the one supreme ruler in heaven? God. There's nobody else in charge there. So God is ruling and reigning, completely in charge in heaven. But then we come to earth. And when Jesus came to earth, he brought God's rule and reign with him. But it's not God's complete rule and reign. George Ladd puts it this way, the kingdom of God is now on earth, but not yet. That God's kingdom has come in some ways, in some form, but it's not the complete fulfillment of the kingdom yet. So when Jesus came at the beginning of his ministry, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. And what were the evidences of the kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth through Jesus's life? Well, first we see signs and wonders. Signs and wonders, the miraculous, the supernatural were all evidence that God's kingdom had come to earth. At one point in Jesus's ministry, Uh, After John the Baptist, one of his contemporaries and cousin, was arrested for saying some pretty rough things about the royalty, John sends one of his disciples to Jesus and says, are you the Messiah? Are you the Lord? Are you this coming ruler? And Jesus tells John's disciple in Luke 7, 22, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. What you have seen and what you have heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus, when he brought the kingdom here, he said, there's evidence. If you want to know who I am, there's evidence that the kingdom has come. There's the miraculous that is happening. And the miraculous did not stop with Jesus. When he sent out his 12 and then his 72 disciples, the miraculous went with them. Signs and wonders followed. You progress into the church and across the church age, and it was normative for the supernatural work of God to be part of the church. Jesus also said that the gospel would be preached. And when we look at that, we see signs and wonders followed. Now living in North America, signs and wonders are not something or the supernatural seems like it can be on the fringes within the congregations. But when you go to other parts of the world, it becomes pretty front and center. And depending where you're from, you're like, yeah, of course God works in supernatural ways. What are you talking about? But others might be like, really? You're getting into some space that I'm not real comfortable with, Mark. Really? God still works in miraculous ways? Yes, he does. A few months ago, I met a gentleman from Ghana. His name's Dr. Yao. He works with the Luzon movement. And I was asking him, because I personally haven't been to Africa, but I want to go to all all my African brothers and sisters. I want to go. There's this, this pull for me to just go and be there for a while on that beautiful continent. So, um, buy me a plane ticket and I'll, 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 I'll go, I'll go. I'll figure it out. But he was saying to me, I said, is is this more normative? Like in your culture, where you come from? He said, of course, the gospel is preached, miracles happen. That's just how it happens where where I'm from. 
And, and he gave me an example. He said, well, one day I was traveling to a conference and a gentleman picked me up from the airport who was a Christian. And I knew he was a Christian. And I said to him, so tell me how you came to know Jesus. And this gentleman said to him, well, I died. And then I was resurrected from the dead. And that's how I came to know Jesus. And it was just normal. Like this was not a big deal. That that's how he came to know Jesus. Now, in my context, I've not risen any people from the dead, but I'm open to it. I'm open to it. But I believe that signs and wonders, the supernatural, is part of the kingdom of God coming to this earth. Another part, an evidence, tangible evidence of the kingdom of God, is that the gospel will be preached and people will say yes to Jesus. When the gospel is preached and God does a supernatural work in somebody's life, bringing them from death to life, the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come in an individual's life. Now at Neighborhood Church, we lay out the gospel. The gospel simply means good news in these four movements, creation, fall, rescue, restoration. We do this for you so you can take it with you. And these are the big movements in scripture. God created everything and everyone and he created humanity in his image. Adam and Eve, the first two humans, chose to rebel against God and creation fell and relationship with God and humanity was broken. That is the fall. And every single person since then has been affected from the fall and their relationship with God has been broken. Throughout the Old Testament, as we travel, we see that God established a system of sacrifice, of specifically blood sacrifice, and saying, if you sacrifice an animal, a bull or a goat, you can have a forgiveness of sin and restored relationship with me. But the blood of bulls and goats could never finally, completely deal with the separation between God and humans. So God sent himself, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. We're coming out of the Christmas season. And he came and he became the one final complete sacrifice for our sin and brokenness. And he came and restored relationship between God and humanity. And when we say yes to Jesus, he supernaturally transforms us, brings us from death to life, from estranged relationship with God back into relationship with God. And not only that, he says, there is going to be a day where I restore everything back to the way it was meant to be. That is the gospel. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. We need to live that gospel, believe that gospel, and share that gospel with others, believing when we do that, there'll be evidence of the kingdom. I can tell you that the gospel was preached to me, and it transformed my life. And if you have said yes to Jesus in some way, at some time, the gospel was preached to you and you said yes to Jesus and your life transformed. There's evidence of the kingdom in transformed lives. Just the other day, I was here at church and there's different groups that meet in the church throughout the, the week. And there's different um, recovery groups that meet. One is called N.A., uh, Narcotics Anonymous. And I was in my office getting ready for a prayer meeting. And a gentleman that I've had a couple conversations with walks into my office and says, you know how they talk about that higher power in N.A.? I don't believe in that. I believe in Jesus. 
And I was like, amen, amen. You know, like, what are you supposed to say to that? But I believe even in those realms of recovery groups and other ways, God is working in supernatural ways to bring people to know him. And we need to preach the gospel and see people saying yes to Jesus. And that is evidence of the kingdom. And there's a third way, and this isn't all the ways, but a third way that is evidence of the kingdom of God that we can practically see is upside down kingdom living. Upside down kingdom living. If we're going to pray upside down kingdom prayers, it's going to lead to upside down kingdom living. You cannot pray, God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, and then passively think that it's going to happen everywhere around you and not in you. God, your kingdom come in my neighbors. God, your kingdom come in my family, but your kingdom come in me? No, when you pray kingdom prayers, upside down kingdom prayers, it will turn into upside down kingdom living. If you have your Bible open to Matthew 6, if you look at where the Lord's prayer is embedded in that passage, it's part of the larger Sermon on the Mount. And if you look in chapter 5 and chapter 6, kind of the sandwich with the meat in the middle, what you see is Jesus telling us about kingdom living. And there's kingdom living all around it before the Lord's Prayer and after the Lord's Prayer. And then he says, pray like this. But you're here and how you should live here and here and how you should live here. And what if we prayed the Lord's Prayer in context of the larger scripture around it. And here's some of the upside down kingdom living things that are laid out inside of that passage. We, we rewind to chapter five of Matthew and the Beatitudes. And this is all the blessed, blessed are this, blessed are that, blessed are this, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers and the persecuted. Just think about all those things. How do we define blessing? Blessing is always up and to the right, right? Like your life is getting better. Relationships are getting better. You're getting more money. You're getting promotions. It's always up and to the right. If God is blessing, it's all going this way. And then Jesus is like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the ones that relationships are falling apart because you love me. Great are you in the kingdom of God. It's an upside down view of blessing. And if we pause at that, we understand it's upside down living. He goes on in Matthew 5, 21 to 26. Don't get angry and don't hold grudges. Huh, maybe our politicians could learn from that. Or even us. Don't look at women with lust in your eyes, or, or men with lust in your eyes. Don't look out and desire things that are not yours. Don't divorce easily. Don't retaliate, but love and serve your enemies. That's normative for all of us, right? Those people who hate us, disrespect us, despise us, we just want to love and serve them. There's nothing that would bring me greater joy. It's upside down kingdom living. And then we go into six, chapter six. Give to the needy, but not for recognition. Forgive or you will not be forgiven. 
Don't put on a spiritual show. Store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Don't worry. You know that anxiety you have? Don't worry. Really? But instead, seek God first in everything, in every way, trusting and believing that he's going to meet you. This is upside down kingdom living. It's not just about a prayer. It's about how we live out that prayer and that message in our lives. And what Jesus is saying, when you become a part of my kingdom, your prayers are going to be different and your life is going to be different. When people curse, you bless. When people tell you to hold a grudge, you instead forgive. When the world tells us to upgrade our standard of living, you instead upgrade your standard of giving. When the world is stressed because things are falling apart, you're holding on to God's eternal kingdom and saying, no matter what happens, no matter if I lose it all, I still have the pearl of great price, the kingdom of God. That is different living, friends. And if we're going to pray upside down kingdom prayers, it's going to lead to upside down kingdom living where we're praying, Thou, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we need to know what God's kingdom looks like if we're going to pray prayers like that. What if we said the Lord's prayer in context and read Matthew 5 and the whole of Matthew 6 and just didn't pray the prayer that meet in the middle? So we need a little whole sandwich here. How would that change our view of praying, your kingdom come, your will be done? Prayer is not just something that we should do in our prayer closet. Prayer should come out of the closet and affect our neighbors and the nations. The apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. It's God's transformational power in our lives. Upside down kingdom living, kingdom prayers leads to upside down kingdom living. Let me remind you, if you pray the Lord's Prayer and God knows you're praying it in genuine heart, that's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. It's going to change your life because when God's kingdom comes in you, your life will be different. What if you began to pray? God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my family. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my relationships, in my workplace, in my finances, in my school, in my sexuality, in my addiction, in my past, in my present, in my neighborhood, to the nations. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in every facet and frame and understanding of my existence. How would that change you? And how would that change those around you?
Friends, this prayer is not just meant to be quoted and forgotten. Jesus gave it as a way to experience his transformation in our lives. And so I want to pray this prayer again. And, and I was thinking, you know, maybe I could try to stand on my head right now and pray the Lord's Prayer so you could like get a visual of upside down kingdom living. But with my luck, I'd probably fall off the stair and need an ambulance. So I'm going to pass on attempting any acrobatics this morning. But if you want to do that in your seat while we pray this, feel free to stand on your head because it is an upside down type of kingdom prayer. And as we pray it, I want to pray it a little slower this time. And we'll try to do it together, but anytime you change the speed, like messy scoring, you know, PKs, change the speed a little bit and it just happens. It's hard to stay in sync, but I wanna pray the Lord's Prayer a little slower together. And I'd like us stand to pray together. Let's pray it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.